We are very near the end, and we will be, God willing, done before Thanksgiving with this series on Revelation. Uh, it's been an awesome series, and we've been working through the book, and we are currently at chapter 19. So chapter 19, if you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to take a Bible out, grab one off the end of the chair roll around you. If you're at home, find your Bible, um, get your phone out and pull it up that way. We have open Wi-Fi here, so if you need to grab your Wi-Fi, uh, grab, your, grab your Bible that way, feel free to do so. And we're going to be covering 10 verses today. Uh, Revelation 19, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read this together, and then we're going to pray, and we'll get into the word this morning. So here's the word. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who were seated on the throne and they cried out, Amen. Hallelujah. And then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our, God, our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Having read it, we're going to pray together, and then we're going to share from the word today. Father God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power of your word, start to finish, beginning to end. We thank you, Father, that all the things that you teach us are worth knowing and that we have been invited into your presence to learn from you. And in a world that's awash in all kinds of theories and hypotheses, we thank you that we serve a God who speaks, the God who reveals himself. We serve you, Father, and we love you, and we thank you for that truth. We ask this morning that you would do something that we cannot do ourselves, that you would reveal yourself to us through your word, that we could get caught up in the reality of your um, uh, redemption message, the, the hallelujah refrain of heaven, that it would somehow capture our souls, that we could recognize the now and not yet of your presence, of your, of your hallelujah. May you be glorified as your Holy Spirit leads us, me as I speak, and all of us as we listen to you, that you would teach us the things we have to learn. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this comes right on the heel of last week's kind of rather crazy uh, throwing down of Babylon the Great. Babylon was this great city. We talked about this a bit. Historically, could have been Rome, right? Uh, some would say there, there are civilizations now that look like Babylon, you know? I'm always amazed at the, um, the, the way that our culture is so global now in ways that it's never been. And also that perhaps it's a city that's coming, Babylon the Great, to be condemned. 
We talked about the speed last week and the violence of the coming down of Babylon. And I did want to say one thing as we begin this morning is that I said uh, last week as I was reading, and this convicted me all week long, it said, I am a queen, Babylon said. I am a queen. I will never be a widow. I will never hurt or sorrow. That's not what the word says. It says, I am queen. Not a queen, the queen. The one that's insurmountable, the one that's unovercomable, right? The one who cannot be defeated. And and from that high position of self-importance, from that grandiose view of the world, Babylon the Great is violently and quickly thrown down to destruction, to never be seen again. The, The civilizations, all the people who came and went so freely from her, was shocked at the rapid descent, the rapid destruction of Jerusalem. I mean, of, um, uh, uh, not of, well, Jerusalem had fallen too in 70, but of uh, Babylon. So with, the, with that knowledge, and we said last week, the things that you don't see is what gets you. I have a question. This whole series is called The End of the World as We Know It. And my question for you is this. What would you lose if this is the end of the world? Like, really, take stock of your life. What in your life, if this was the last day, if this is it, if everything you know, and, you know, believe me, with the news and stuff these days, you feel like it's the end of the world, right? But if it's really the end of the world, let's just say it, fact is, what do you lose? What what is your heart going, ah, no, not yet? What, What are those things that are capturing our attention so much that we think to be here is better than anything else we could ever have? It's funny to me that in the middle of the judgment of the great city, Babylon, it happens in uh, chapter 18, verse 20, that the saints rejoice at the fall. It doesn't say they lament it. They don't mourn it. They don't weep over it. They say, finally, praise God, rejoice. Our our hope is made sight. You see, I think we all often hold so tightly to this world, we act as if there's nothing else worth having. And it's that kind of death grip on the way we have to have it right now that God is constantly trying to cause us to let go of because something better, church, is coming. Something better is coming. I'm stunned at how we live so much in fear of what's next. John, in the middle of this vision in chapter 19, he says this, after this, what, the, the, the watching Babylon fall. And after that little verse in the middle where it says the, the, the church, the saints rejoice at the fall. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven. So he hears this noise, this, he's just caught up again, right? Matter of fact, I think I'm going to say this is, this next week's going to be the fourth vision, right? But there's this kind of noise coming from the throne room of God, this, this, right? Like lots, lots of things and and lots of people shouting in heaven. And they're shouting a particular thing. And you know what it is? You know what it is? They say in Bible study, you shouldn't ask obvious questions. I'm like, we should at least know the obvious answers, (laughs) right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right? What? Hallelujah. Heaven 
cries out. Hallelujah, the great multitude cries. As a matter of fact, the three things I have, if you had an engagement sheet today, the three things are that the, that the multitude, the great multitude cries out, hallelujah. We've got a slide there, thanks so much. Uh, 24 elders cry out, hallelujah. And then a voice from heaven says, praise God, which is not the same exactly as hallelujah. We'll get to that. So hallelujah, hallelujah, and praise God. There's this great roar, what seems like a megaphone, a loud voice of a great multitude shouting in unison, hallelujah. Have you ever wondered what that word means? Some of you know, right? Anybody know what it means? Praise God, right? That's what it means. Praise God. What's the third thing, right? It's a little different. It's a little different. Hallelujah is praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. It's the word in the Jewish culture that you do the name you never said aloud or you never wrote it. You, 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 it was in, um, a dear friend of mine one time said it was like, uh, like that. Yeah. The one that gives breath, the one that gives life. Praise the unspeakable name the Holy One, the God of all creation. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, the way this comes into our language is the Greeks know so much about the Jewish uh, people, of the, the Jewish mm, saying hallelujah, that they just transliterate it. It's Spanglish for the Greek. They just drag it into the language. Hallelujah. It means praise Yahweh. Matter of fact, hallelujah is not said as a casual hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. You know how like um, if you ever talk to somebody who's been or if you've ever gone to Hawaii, it's a, um, what is that word they always say? Uh, uh, aloha. They say it all the time. Aloha. It means hello, goodbye, you know, see you later. I don't know what it means. This is not that. Hallelujah is actually an imperative. Uh, we were singing a song this morning, and it says, you know, like, Let, uh, he is worthy to be praised. And I was singing the words, you are worthy to be praised, because I was talking to God about it. And then it's like, no, it's about a witness to one another. You all praise God. The great crowd, the great multitude, the great roar from heaven is saying, all of you praise God. It's an imperative command. Praise Yahweh. Now, they are for sure praising him, but they're compelling us, all of us, to praise him. This past week, uh, I just happened, as God would have it, on a podcast where we're talking about great music. And they said, what are the great, what's the greatest song that you know of? And one of the persons said, um, have you ever heard that song, uh, Hallelujah, by Leonard Cohen? Uh, do you know that song? Do, yeah, so, some of us can kind of bring it to mind. Um, uh, there's this great song that's written by Leonard Cohen. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I'm kind of digging into this for a minute. But um, it's, uh, hallelujah. Uh, I heard there was a secret chord that David played, and it pleased the Lord. But you're not really into music. Are you? Or do you? It's not like that, right? I messed it up. You know what I'm saying, though, right? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth. I don't know the rest of it. I'm not musical. And major lift. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know what's funny about that? 
So I was watching this, and they were talking about it. And I'm like, what is that song anyway? Leonard Cohen, we wrote this song, hallelujah. Wow, when did, you know, it was a song of the 80s? I thought it was like an ancient song. I was like, what? There's something, as a believer, I hear it. I'm like, yes, but no. Maybe. David played to please the Lord. Yeah, he saw her bathing on a roof. David and Bathsheba, yes, but no. It gets weird. It's like this song that goes up, down, whatever. And as I was looking into it, someone says, it was the beginning, listen to me, church, of the secular hymnology. Praising, but, you know, praising the culture, praising the, the drama. But, and it's been performed like three, it's been, had like 300 different versions. Apparently, he wrote, uh, in his writing, he wrote like 80 verses and then ended up banging his head on the floor for hours because he couldn't figure out the song. <laughs> this sounds like a suffering artist, right? But there's something about this captive, even those who don't understand. Now, I, I believe for those of us who are born in Jesus Christ, when we hear it, we're like, yes, but no, right? That's how I experienced that song. But there's this glory in it, hallelujah. Man, I was, I kind of got hung up on that for a minute. I'm like, all right, cool. And then I was like, I'm going to go find all the places hallelujah occurs in the Bible. I want to know every place it occurs. I'm going to read all the things about hallelujah. I want to know. How many times does it occur in the Bible? Do you mind know? Once? Woo! I haven't found that. Anybody else? Ah. Ooh. Really? Yeah? Where? Right here, baby. It occurred, I would say, now if you're doing a word nerd count like me, it occurs four times New Testament. All of them, all of them are right here. I was convinced in my soul, in my mind, the word hallelujah. How many times the church saying hallelujah that this is all throughout the New Testament? It's everywhere. Jesus walked around saying hallelujah. Everybody's saying hallelujah. It's only found in Revelation 19. Hallelujah. This great moment after the judgment of Babylon, this great overcoming by God himself brings out a chorus of praise that occurs four times in the New Testament, all of them right here in Revelation 19. Where else does it occur then? In the Old Testament. It does occur in the Old Testament 24 times. 24 times. I want to read one of them to you. 24 times it occurs in the Old Testament. Listen to me. All of them in the Psalms. All of them in the Psalms. So you have this word that we all use. We know. We act like it's our old buddy, right? Hallelujah. Like, you know the song. You know the word. But it occurs 24 times in the Psalms and four times in the New Testament in the book of Revelation 19. Listen to the last Psalm, Psalm 150. This is right before Proverbs. Praise the Lord. That's hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him for the surrounding, the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him for the harp and the lyre. Praise him with tambourine and with dancing. What? Praise him with the strings and the flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. I always think of a gong there. I don't know if that's what that is. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. By the way, that's the only time it's found twice in a sentence, right there at the end of Psalm 150. It's the culmination of the poets of God. It's, it's the, the, the great uh, exaltation for us. Praise the Lord. 
John, in his vision on Patmos, hears the great roar of the multitude in heaven singing, saying, praise the Lord as a command to all of us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I just wanted to unpack that. I was blown away, right? I mean, if that surprised you, I was, it surprised me. Why? Why does heaven cry out, praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Here's why. Salvation and glory and power belong to God. I want to walk through that real quick. Three things. Here's why. Hallelujah. Because salvation belongs to God. He is Savior. He saves us. He saves his people. He saves this world. As a matter of fact, there's this wild, and I've been reading Isaiah, uh, Isaiah as well, and there's this wild thing where it's his own um, uh, gift to us that we're not yet destroyed. You say, well, I've not been saved yet. Yeah, I hope you get saved, but you've been saved anyway because you are rightly destroyed. The entire generations of the people are rightly destroyed. But God, in his grace, has been saving them. Yahweh, the creator, has been saving us. And that means, by the way, church, let me say, all of us. I always say this. If you're still sucking wind, God is still saving you. Doesn't mean when you take the last breath, you're going to be saved. But he's saving you. He's working to save you. People get so angry and they say, well, God hasn't saved me yet. What's your timeline? What do you think this life is? They say, hallelujah. Why? Because salvation belongs to the Lord. And what? Glory belongs to the Lord. That's doxa. That's what we magnify and glorify. And there's that sticky wicket where if you're praising something and out elevating God, you're doing it wrong. And I said it last week. I won't preach that again. But that's it. He is worthy of all glory. God is. He's worthy of all our praise. The doxa, the doxology, the way we worship and live our lives belongs, the word says, to God. It's, he's the right receiver of it. People have said to me, well, who is God that we should worship him? Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's exactly who God is, that we worship him. And then the last is power, dunamis, ability, belongs to our God. I love that song. He, the lion is fighting our battles. We sang that today, right? He is fighting. We act like it's up to us. We know we got this little, like, you ever seen those little cocktail swords? They put, like, some fruits on them in your drink. Sometimes you get a fancy drink. Like, imagine, we're, that's, that's, that's us sword fighting our life. Like, I got this. God's like, oh, okay, sure you do. And he's like, wolf, <laughs> you know? We, 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 we're fooling ourselves when we think we're changing uh, outcomes. We're making things a certain way. No, 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 no. God has the power. It belongs to him. That's what, hallelujah. That's why we sing hallelujah. That's why we say hallelujah. Why? Because true and just are his judgments. He has rightly judged Babylon. True and just are his judgments. There's no unfairness. There's no inaccuracy. There's no mistakes in God's judgment. You see, and we, we again, act as if we're going to judge better than God. We're full, we're full of ourselves because his justice is true and accurate. 
He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. And I will say this one more time, but the word there is pornea, and it's idolatries. It's that corruption of the good things that God has given us toward their own end. It's that thing where you enjoy it at first, and then you worship it at the end. And it's a super dangerous thing for our lives. And that's a corruption of God's design. He condemned the corruption of the adulteries. And he has avenged on her, that's this world, the city, the blood of his servants. Dulos. And we're going to get, talk more about dulos in a minute at the end of this passage. So he's avenged the blood of his people. And again, then, after they say, this is why, this is what they say, hallelujah. They say it again, the great multitude, hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And you can imagine, again, I think that word smoke is found like 13 times in 12 of them in Revelation, right? It's this holy smoke, you know? You ever heard that? Holy smoke. Like, it's like that. It's just going up. The destruction. And, and there's something weird in here, and I'm going to just touch it for a minute. Um, and I think I may have mentioned it earlier in Revelation as well. But there's something in God's right judgment of those who refuse to repent and know that he is good and he is God and he has been saving us and we are his, that in the destruction of the city, as the smoke rises, it's glorifying to God. I don't say that as any kind of like, like um, victors, but it's, not, it's, it's, it's a, a fact that's being met out in the smoke that they are denying God his right position in the world. I, I know Revelation's messing me up, but when you look at any issue, you end up seeing this is the corruption of mankind. That we turn these things that are good and blessings into the ultimate things, and we ignore God. As a matter of fact, we try to make them our gods, and they are terrible gods. So they say, hallelujah, twice. That's a, the text says they say it twice, then, hallelujah. Who is saying it? The great multitude. I want to remind you that this is the vision of the throne room of heaven, and this is the sound coming from heaven, right? We're going to talk about that. I'm going to ask a question, though. Do you find yourself praising God in your life? Like, do you find yourself naturally, maybe not saying the word hallelujah, but maybe saying, praise you, Father. Praise you, God. Like, do you find yourself really on the days that's going great, Instead of just going, I'm super good at whatever I'm doing right now, you go, wow, praise God. <laughs> or, or maybe you're a little more like me, and you have like another near miss, <laughs> and you haven't died again, and you're like, whoa, I'm really bad at this. Praise God. I didn't die just now. I mean, do you find times in your life where you're like, praise God, let me ask you this. Do you find times in your life that when things are going really poorly and the world's coming in around you, do you find yourself saying, well, praise God. Or as our entire culture says, this is the end, the cliff is coming, do you find yourself in your soul going, praise God, praise God. That's where the multitude find themselves. And by the way, it's a great polis, many uh, persons, many, 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 praising God. That should be a mark of a Christian life, that we praise God. And not, I'm not saying, there's that weird thing where you got to pretend that it's not hard or pretend. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in spite of it all, you're like, yes, this is not great. Praise God. Praise God. Moving on then. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fall down and they worship God. 
Where are they? They're around the throne. He is seated on the throne. I didn't throw that slide back in, but you remember the imagery, right? So you have the great multitude, and you have the 24 elders, and you have the four uh, living creatures, and they're all around the central throne of God. And it says here that God is seated. That means he's in full authority in this moment. After the judgment of Babylon, he is seated on the throne, and these four elders and the four, or 24 elders and the four living creatures all get on their face before the throne. And they worship him. And it, it means literally that. They're down. No, they're like this, and they're like, worship, worship him. As a matter of fact, uh, this is all kind of tied loosely, right? But I was watching a video of a famous uh, musician who died, and he had some epic thing he did on stage performing, and someone else in the band came up, what they do? Right? And the crowd's like, yeah! What are they doing? I bow to you. I'm not worthy of you. You're better than me. That's just a dude playing an instrument. This is the God sitting on his throne commanding everything. And the four living creatures who, you know, remember how mysterious and beautiful and terrifying they were? Like they had eyes everywhere. They could see everything. They're like, they just bow down before him. Or the 24 elders. I'll remind you this. The 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. That's the... My theory, I don't know, right? They're there around the throne, and they're all in unison, Jew, Greek, right? Worshiping God. They're bowed down before him, recognizing, recognizing his authority. They're all falling on their faces. It literally means to drop and to worship God. And what do they say? A little different. They say, Amen. And then they say, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, you ever heard somebody say that? That's another word. My brother, brother all loves to say amen all the time. Amen. He loves to say amen. He says it better than anybody I know, I think, the way he says amen. Some of y'all this morning said amen. We sang some songs, and over here is amen choir. Amen. I was like, yeah. I've said it before here, amen means so be it, right? But it's like right on. It's like yes. It's like we agree. What I was surprised to discover as I prepare for this, is that amen is the, uh, the companion or the counterpart to the word uh, apatheia, apatheia in Hebrew. And, and apatheia is the opposite of amen, or it's a contrary word. And apatheia means, I'm not persuaded. So whenever that dude's up there on the stage and he's doing this, like, I'm like, Really? Is he the best? Is he wor- the- we're- I'm not persuaded. That's apathia. It kind of sounds like this. Apathetic, doesn't it? I wonder if it's the same root word as apathetic. To not say amen, yes, yes, Lord, so be it, is to be apathetic to what God is doing. Uh, sure, right? I mean, can you imagine having read and studied all we've read and studied in the book of Revelation that anyone would be bored with God? That anyone would be like, yeah, okay, fine. I guess, you know, as good as anything, I suppose. No. The 24 elders and the four living creatures shout, amen, yes, yes, that's it. And then they sing of their own volition, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It, you, you really see here in Revelation 19 the manifestation of the fulfillment of all the prophecies that are found in the entire Bible. This connection from Revelation 19 all the way back to the Psalms and the Psalm 150 in specific where it's the final praise of you know, the, the, the people of God. It's the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel and to the entire world. Hallelujah. 
Amen. And this is where the 24 elders and the four living creatures testify. Then a voice came, in verse 5, from the throne room saying, or from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. And I told you, interestingly enough, I thought, well, this is going to be hallelujah. They just translated it differently. It's not actually hallelujah. It's not the same words. And it means uh, praise God. Praise our God is what the voice from uh, the throne says. All you his servants. And that's the word doulos. It can mean slave. It can mean uh, servant. Praise him, all you servants. So it means the praise is for everyone to do, everyone who's serving Christ, everyone who's serving God. We should praise him. What else does it say? All you who fear him. If you fear the Lord, you should praise him. If you respect him, you should praise him. If you recognize who he is and who you're not, you should praise him. It's a compulsion or an exhortation for us to recognize and rightly position ourselves under God's authority. And then lastly, praise him, all who are small and great. And I love this because, you know, again, we keep seeing this in Revelation. I don't know if you've noticed the pattern, but there's this thing of like these, the kings are doing these things and everyone else is doing these things, right? There's this constant um, inclusion of everyone in this. And I love this because it's like from the very smallest to the very greatest, no one is exempt from this command to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the voice coming from the very throne of God. I don't actually know, and I would love to know, because what confused me a bit on this is it says, praise our God. It could be our, like, inclusive, right? But I'm like, it's God speaking from the throne. It's the throne speaking for God. It's the throne speaking to us inclusively about God. All of us should praise God no matter how great or small you are, no matter how important or unimportant you think you are, no matter, and that's the thing, I want to kind of walk this just for a second, but someone says, me, who cares if I praise God? God does. He says, praise me. One of the, my favorite things is uh, babies, and someone said, um, we were talking, they were like, oh, the kids were rowdy or whatever in service, and, you know, and I'm like, praise God. <laughs> from the mouths of babes I have ordained praise like do you recognize that that that's something that we should celebrate that they praise God we should teach them back in blast to praise God we should inculcate that in their lives in a deep way that they are made for a purpose the reason we sit outside of a clinic and pray is because we think that every child is knit together and made in God's image ordained to praise God come on we praise him Small people. Praise God. The other than spectrum, though, is the great people. The really, who's the most important person in the planet? I mean, you tell me. I don't know who it is. Some people had the fault answers to that slot. Well, of course, it's the, and you, you know, the leader of the free world. <laughs> okay, sure. I mean, I don't know, right? But you know what the call is for them? Praise God. No matter how big you get, you praise God. That's the invitation. That's the exhortation. Let me ask you this. I asked you earlier, what would you lose if this is the end of, the, of your life, or the end of the world as you know it? But what is this life really about? I mean, take away all the stuff you think it's about. 
We, we grew up in our households. We see the people around us. We dem- they demonstrate things, and we think, oh, that's important, that's important, and we try to live it out in some way. But what is the life truly about? What are we after in this life? What is the purpose, the end result, the ultimate goal for all people, small and great? Verse 6, and then I heard again what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting. We're going to go back to hallelujah here, but I want to point something out to you. This, this is wild because three times in this one sentence there are similes. You know what a simile is? Remember what a simile is from like English class? This is like that. This is not that. But this is like that. Do you remember those lessons? I still remember them. Maybe I had a really painful teacher or a good teacher. I'm not sure which. Three similes in this sentence. You see it. I heard the sound that was like a great multitude. I heard a sound that was like the roar of rushing waters. I heard the sound that was like peals of thunder shouting together. Three similes in a row this experience, and it got me thinking. If John says, I heard something that was like a great multitude, what if it wasn't a great multitude? What if it was just a few really, really, like, I'd say radical? What if it was, here I'll say noisy. (laughs) What if it was just a few really, really noisy saints, and they sound like a great multitude? Like what if, what if it wasn't a great, what if, what if in heaven around the throne, it was just a few, and the few, they were like, yeah, and they were so, and while everyone else is bored, they're like, God is God, and we are not, praise him, hallelujah, and it sounded like a simile, like a great multitude. What if a small group of people getting together and praising God begins to sound like a great multitude, or the rushing of waters, that's pretty wild, right? You ever listen to that, like, shh. It sounds kind of similar, you know, similar, right? And then, or like peals of thunder rolling off. There's this noise, this cavernous noise coming from heaven. Well, it was a fun thought experiment. But I do want to say that in Revelation 7, John looked and behold, there was a great multitude of every nation, tribe, language, and tongue. So there is a great multitude. Um, but he hears what sounds like a great multitude here, and they say, hallelujah, because our Lord Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has been made ready. Fine linen and bright and clean was given to her to wear. So there's a few things in here I I just want to unpack. First of all, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. That's why they're praising him, because the Lord uh, God Almighty reigns. The word is pantokator, pantokrator, which is the ruler of all, the ruler of the universe. It's only found in Revelation. Not only here, but it's found earlier in Revelation. It's the Lord Almighty. You know, in the Old Testament, we said it was the Lord of hosts, the, the Lord of the army. Here, it's this ultimate ruler that rules everything, reigns. Why do you say hallelujah? Because the Lord God rules over everyone, reigns over everyone. <clears throat> Why else? Because the wedding of the Lamb has come. Actually, my favorite 
thing here is the word wedding means marriage. <laughs> if you've ever been involved with me in a wedding and a marriage, I always say, I'm excited about your wedding day. I'm more excited about your marriage because <laughs> it's the rest of your life, right? Like, that's kind of the big deal. The party, good. The marriage, better. <laughs> that's the goal, right? And it says here that because the marriage of the lamb has come, that's why we hallelujah, we praise him. Look at there's a third reason. So the wedding of the Lamb has come. The third reason, the bride has made herself ready for this day, right? The bride, what? Look at what it says. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Given to her to wear, to put on. I'm like, oh, yeah. This is the church. Now we're going to just unpack this for a minute. This is the church putting on the righteousness of Christ, and there we are um, living it. We are walking with him in it, and we're prepared for the wedding day. We've been invited, right, to adorn ourselves in his holiness for the great marriage to Christ where the two become one flesh, right, forever bound in this unity. Man, what image. You know, Paul says about marriage, he says, I'm going to tell you a great mystery, but this is about Christ and the church. It's not about these two people committing to each other. There's something beautiful in that, right? And you're like, yeah, awesome. But look at that little parenthetical comment. The fine linen stands for righteous acts of the saints. The work we do. And you, you know, I'm like, I don't know if you're like me, but I get skittish right away. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. So the clothes I'm going to wear in heaven is about my right work? The things I did in this life? The choices I made are going to adorn me? It says, given to me. These aren't my clothes. These are his clothes, right? He told me, be ready. And then the verse comes, um, do the work I have pointed in advance for you to do. Listen to me. Christ died for our sins. Fact. Our, our, our blood owed debt is wiped away by the cross. Fact. He died for us to live into who he is. He died for us to not live and cower in fear. He died for us to do the works he appointed in advance for us to do. This, they're freaking out because I'm like, this sounds like works righteousness. No, 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 no. It's not works. It's living into the clothes he's already ordained, ordained for us, appointed for us. Do you do that in your life? Do you live into the righteous acts that God has appointed you for? Are we doing that? Listen to me. Are we ready for that? When you think about the fine linen, the clean clothes, you know what the word is? Obedience. It's obedience to God. And it's not obedience to man. And I want to be really clear. It's not obedience to what I think you should be doing for God. Or what my opinion, and you know, this is what it looks like for you. That's not my, no. It's the, uh, the, the unique gifts and talents and passions and opportunities God has appointed for you to live into because he redeemed you from this generation. It, it doesn't feel the same to me. We live into what he anointed us to do. All of us, by the way. The fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints of God, dressed and ready for the marriage feast. Then the angel came then and said to John, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Look at that. Blessed, happy are those who are invited, welcomed to the wedding supper of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Write them down. 
If you've been invited into a relationship with Christ, if you've been invited to be at, like, what's the most important party of your life you didn't get invited to? You know what I mean? Sometimes all the cool kids go to somewhere and you don't get the invite. Sometimes the, the muckety-mucks get together and they have a secret meeting, right? And they don't invite you. Sometimes management has to, you know, I mean, there's a thousand examples of this, right? But what's the most important meeting you've been invited to or you haven't been invited to or you've missed? Because this to me seems like the most important meeting. Write it down. Blessed are those who are invited to this wedding supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. I can think, and this is the thing, I can think of no more important place to be right and invited than the wedding feast of God. Right? Say, so, well, why are you going on about this? Because what if it means we don't do something? We're not going to be somewhere else. We're going we're gonna to choose to wait for the wedding feast instead. Hey, you want to come over here and hang out? No, no, no. I'm, I'm waiting for this wedding feast instead. There's a righteousness coming from God that we cannot get ourselves, the party that matters, the party, the only party in this life that will matter. At this revelation, John in verse 10 says, I fell down at his feet to worship him. Here's John caught up in the moment, and he, he falls down. Who? Him. Who's him? The angel. The angel said, write this down. And John falls down, and he begins to worship. I'm not worthy of this angel. And this is one of my favorite responses in all the Bible. This is why, by the way, if someone comes up and says, yeah, but you're a good Christian, you should step off that all the time. You should be like, no, 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 no. It's not about me being better than you. It's not about me. It's about God and what God is doing. I want to encourage and empower you to step off because this angel, whenever John falls down and says, you know, I'm, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, he says, don't do it. That's the Bill Dempsey translation of that verse. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I'm a fellow servant slave like you. What? The angel. I'm just an angel, man. Don't do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with all your brothers and sisters, that's uh, Adelphos, who hold to the testimony of Jesus. I'm just here to glorify God. Don't worship me. If there are people in your life that have a tendency to do that, right, they go, yeah, but you're such a goody, goody Christian. Say, no, 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 don't go, you don't got to go out and sin and prove you're not. Like, we sin plenty without trying to prove it, don't we, right? But don't take that and be like, yeah, you're right, I'm pretty. No, no, that praise is due to God. People say all the time, you know, well, yeah, you're a pastor. No, that praise is due to God. It's not due to us. I am only a fellow servant with you. If this angel can step off of that praise bandwagon, man, anybody can. Praise God, not us. Hold to the testimony, the witness of Jesus. And this is the command, and this angel, this is the last slide I have. The angel says, worship God alone. Worship God alone. Don't worship angels. Don't worship saints. Don't worship your pastor. Don't worship the other Christians you think are better than you. Worship God. You can, you can say, hey, I thank God there's someone to give me an example, but God, I worship you. I fall at your feet. Man, I can't make that point too strongly. Worship God. Why? Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's the last word here. The testimony of Jesus, the witnessing of Jesus, the pointing to Jesus is prophecy. You want to be a prophet? Talk about Jesus. You know what a conviction I had? You know what a conviction I had? Whew, I'm just going to say this and we'll wrap. It's been a crazy year. I mean, like, it's been a crazy year, right? And as I was 
reading through this, I'm like, did I talk more about politics than Jesus? Did I talk more about coronavirus than Jesus? Did I talk more about mask mandates and my rights in this season of hardship than Jesus? And you don't have to answer that. <laughs> my soul says, yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because the testimony of Jesus is the work of prophecy. That's why we are here, to point to Jesus. And I know you, you and fair enough, and you will say, well, we did talk about Jesus. Yes, we do. We always talk about Jesus. But it's the very spirit of prophecy to talk about Jesus. Worship God alone. I told you that that song, Leonard Cohen's song, was a secular hymn. They say it's the first secular hymn, right? They don't even know what they're playing with, with the language of God. But here's the question for us. Who do you worship in your life? Yeah, I was going to say, what do you worship? But that's, 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 the, that's right there, man. You say, what do you worship? And if there's something that pops in your mind, oof, repent right now. Who do you worship? The exhortation is, church, worship God. Pray with me if you would. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to worship you. And I thank you that uh, even as we gather in our own lives, even individually, that we join the great multitude who say hallelujah. I thank you for the soul awakening song that calls us forth from death to life that we don't even always know what it is, Father, that's glorifying to you. I thank you for the way that you inspire us to know you and believe you. And I pray, Lord, that we would repent of our tendency to worship false gods and we would acknowledge our God, Jesus Christ. That we would always point everything back to him. That we make the most of every opportunity, Father, that you be glorified. That we be rightly positioned for the moment when it all falls down, when everything goes away. Oh, Lord, would you instill in us by your spirit, by your mercy and your grace, this imperative teaching that we praise you, that we praise Yahweh, the God of all. We love you so much, and we pray that you would do this work in Jesus' name. Amen.